Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Eclectic Perspectives. He's Aisha Calloway and F. Christopher Blue. Different perspectives, different discussions, different topics. Her version, his version, our version. Sexuality, health, relationships. Community, workforce, economics. Politics, religion, education. Crime, mental health, and race relations. Eclectic, eclectic Perspective. Hello, this is F. Christopher Blue and Miss Aisha Calloway bringing you another episode of Eclectic Perspectives. Today's topic, educating our youth. Miss Calloway. How's it going? Hey, no complaints. God is good all the time. Amen, amen. Somebody yeah, went well, to church so today, much talk huh? About education or lack thereof that our kids are receiving from our public schools. I myself have spoken on the subject, and while I feel there is a definite need for changing that space, Another area is being neglected as well. Parents seem to have forgotten that part of their job is to educate their children on the issues that aren't covered in school, and that are also a particular relevance for people of African descent. Our heritage is one strong in the oral tradition that teaches not only our history, but important life lessons, and I say it's time we remember that. Callaway. I know you and I um, talked earlier, Blue, and we came up with a list of about ten things that I don't want to say it's missing, but um, maybe lacking or, or needs some improvement. And we talked about respect and reverence for their elders. Um, our children have no respect for the elders anymore, and it's like, what happened to that? Right. I mean, you know, growing up, I would not dare interrupt my elder when they were speaking unless it was an emergency. I mean, like we need to call 911 or something of that nature. I mean, children now, I went to church this morning, and um you know, I'm looking at these five, six-year-olds. They're checking their parents. You know, I want to do so-and-so now. No excuse me when the parents are talking. No nothing. I mean, cursing out elderly people, it's just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, another point, let's go back and forth with the 10 list. I think that'd be good. How to save and invest money. Even as, um, as a youth, when I was coming up, I don't recall my mother or my father giving me any life lessons as it relates to um, saving money. And, you know, when I first went to college and they gave me all those credit cards, uh-huh. oh, believe me, believe me, I was in head over his heels, you know what I'm saying, that first rump into what we call adult life. So I think that's definitely a lesson that also needs to be, um, you know, touched on in the home, you know what I'm saying. We, uh, we noticed that, you know, African Americans are probably one of the most in-debt races just based on lack of knowledge and lack of, um, you know what I'm saying, doing what they're supposed to do and educating their youth and educating themselves. 
Well, I want to touch on that just a little bit. I know we're talking about um, saving money and investing money, but another thing we have to think about as well is credit. Um, I didn't learn about credit till I was about 25, and I'm only 30 now. I've heard about it. I'm like, you know, credit, what is that? You know, I got money, I'll pay for it, so on and so forth. Like, I never even knew, you know, when I purchased a car that, you know, my credit had to do with my interest rate and all these things. So I was just so blighted um, because of lack of knowledge. You know, I didn't get that that portion of knowledge from my parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, or anything. Right. And um, it's, it's funny because I try to instill in my children, you know, it's great to have money. But, you know, credit is better than any amount of money you could ever have. And um, I feel like we're so far behind on that. I agree. I agree. It's definitely a lesson that I'm trying to instill in my children. from my uh, 13-year-old with a, a checking account so he can manage his own um, allowances and money like that instead of always having his hand out. He'll know, well, this is what you got in the bank. This is what definitely. you can do with it based on your ATM card. Now, I'm not giving this cat lots and lots of money. You know what I'm saying? He's just getting uh-huh. a very modest amount in regards to um, his allowance or whatever. But still, again, he's managing his own money. He knows how much he has to spend. And I noticed that he's being wiser as time goes on in regards to, well, if I save this extra $20, I can get this. But he's blowing it every time he gets it when he was younger and didn't have that account in place. Definitely. That's something um, I had to start doing, and I'm still in the progress or process of doing that because um, I was one of those parents where, I'm not going to give you allowance to wash dishes and do so on, so much and so on and so forth. But I had to get myself out of that because how are my children going to learn how to manage money if I don't start right. giving it to them now? Right. Um, so I had to retrain myself as far as that is concerned. So I don't give them money for chores, but I give them money for grades. You know, school is your job. You making A's and B's and, and you know, studying hard, that's your job. So I give them money um, pertaining to their grades. And you touched on something a second ago about how they um, are starting to learn the value of money. Before we would go in the store and my children would be like, Mommy, I want this, 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 and this, and this. You know, Mommy, please, blah, blah, blah. Now they don't ask as much because they're starting to see that, you know, I'll purchase something, but maybe I'll make them pay for 25% of it, depending on what it is. And they're like, man, you know, we had 50 bucks, but now we got this 20 left. And now they're starting to see, like, you know, 50 bucks really is nothing. You know, so... That's so important um, that we teach them how far the dollar actually can go, and it's not that far. So, you know. Right. But let's let's move on. I think number three on our list was manners and etiquette, um, and this included conflict resolution, and that is such a major issue. Major. So many that have been number one, I'm trying to <laughs> number number zero. Look, <laughs> but um. <laughs> So many of our young children have no idea what conflict resolution is, and that trickles into adulthood and causes problems when they're at their job, within, you know, their marriages, and any type of relationship that they may form as a whole. And, you know, honestly, when I think back, nobody's taught me how to resolve conflict. You know, I don't remember people saying, sit down, let's talk about it, or, you know, and this is therapist talk, let's make a, a list of pros and cons, but... It sounds crazy, but it works. You know what I mean? We need to sit down and talk about things, not yelling and screaming and cursing and carrying on, but let's have a, a conversation about why you made me upset or about why I feel the way I feel. And surprisingly, you know, even with my own children who were reared in that aspect differently than I was reared, they come to me with so many different little issues, you know, about sex or, Mommy, I heard this or I saw that. 
And it's crazy because it was like I would never tell my mama not like that. You know, my mind because, again, we didn't have that open communication. Um, and communication leads to conflict resolution. If you don't teach children how to communicate first and foremost, then there will be no conflict resolution. You know, we have to learn how to communicate properly. Right. My whole case, though, when it's all stemmed to it, it just stems to um, basically lack of conflict resolution, the anger and aggression, the disrespect, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. the tone when they speak to their teachers or their parents. Mm-hmm. It's just based on it. But then when I access the parents, you know what I'm saying, I'm talking with the parents and doing, you know what I'm saying, information or psycho um, education with the parents. It all it goes back to that. They don't have the skills. Many of our parents on my case, though, currently are banned from the school. They can't even go on school property without special provisions. Why? Because of lack of um, conflict resolution. They always thought they're putting up their guns, they're putting up their fists was the way to solve things. But as they get older, I think they're realizing that you just basically are now one less advocate for your child just based on your lack of conflict resolution. But back to number three, I mean, we're looking at manners. I mean, look how many kids are walking around without simple manners. I mean, I look at my son, and, and I, I, I have to say that, you know, I'm very proud of him. I'm very proud of the way that his mother and I raised him. But then looking at his peers, he's, he's probably looked at as an alien because while he's saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, they say yeah and huh, sure, okay, uh-huh, versus, you know, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And giving that simple respect is just simply adding a word to the end of the sentence. Well, my thing, too, is when you think about respect, you know, we have to think about subcultures and um, I have some neighbors, and I think you and I talked about this, mm-hmm. and they curse at each other, but that's cool for them. I guess, you know, the way they were raised is, is fine. It's not disrespectful to the mom at all, and they're not from here. They're from um, New York. Right. Um, but that works for them. Now, when things are getting a little interesting, you definitely can see the change in, in tone from both of them, and he knows to stop. The son knows to stop before our mom gets him, but... My child, I guess my kids say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. But I don't even think it's so much the yes, ma'am, and the no, ma'am. I think it's all the attitude that comes with the yes and the no. You're not going to tell me yeah, you know, but yes and no, but you're not going to be shaking your neck and cutting your eyes and sucking your teeth, you know, because I understand that everybody's from the South. I think the ma'am thing is more from the South, Um, and that's my opinion. I'm not from the South. Again, that's my opinion. And, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I'm not from the but, south. Um, I, I, I was talking about my mom, maybe because my mother was from the south. You know what I'm saying? I got together. Well, when I go, my son's father's from the islands. They see that a lot there as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a certain culture, but I know, like, my father's from New York. They don't say yes, ma'am, yes, sir, up there. Okay, okay. By far. So I, I do think it's um. So yeah, I can I can agree with somewhat you. Somewhat geographical, but still, respect is respect. We we know we know respect when we see it. And maybe that's it. Definitely. In each culture, because each culture defines it differently, or each subculture or genre defines it differently. That's understandable. And that is a good point you brought up. I think it's bringing that to my attention. It's not always about yes or yes, ma'am. Because at certain times, I wish he wouldn't say it. I wish he would simply say yes or no, depending on who he's talking to. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. Definitely. And my kids get caught up in that as well because I'm, I'm a foster parent. And I know I've had a foster child that was 16. Mm-hmm. And my son was speaking to her one day, and he's like, yes, ma'am. And I had to check him. I was like, no, baby. Um, She's not your equal, but she's not a yes, ma'am, either. But he was so accustomed right. to anybody that was older than him. Everything was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, right. sir, so on right. and so forth. So, you know, they have to learn when to and when not to say it. 
But I'm going to tell you one thing. It makes me feel so good to walk into their schools and speak with their teachers or principals or whoever and, you know, here, get those accolades that my child is right. well-mannered and, you know, I haven't seen kids like this in X amount of years and blah, blah, blah. That makes me feel right. good as a parent. So, right, right. It's a rarity. I, 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 I want it to be a rarity. I don't even want it to be something you put your eye on and get happy about. It should be a norm. And what happens to normalizing great behavior or great attitude? Really, what happens, really? Why are we well, so accustomed now, to being bad attitude in African-American and brown children? You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, we, that's another show all by itself, so we're not going right, to get into right. that. Yeah, we're going to um, touch on that. Remind me to touch on that another time. Yeah, we're going to have to. <laughs> we're going to have to. Ford, Let's, entrepreneurship. Um, yeah. I mean, this is about, it's not even so much, it's, we have this expanded definition of entrepreneurship. It's not about starting a business necessarily, but it's about being about your business. You know what I'm saying? That's Establishing a norm of ownership. You know, just look at it that way. Just look at it as ownership. Not necessarily always written, written for 40, 50, 60, 70 years of your life. Moving mm. towards ownership um, mm. um, of houses. I mean, now you're talking. I, I used to, I'm mean, producer, Ashley Mitchell, 25 years old. This came into her first house. Probably one of the most proudest moments of her life besides her degree. And I just Go, Ashley. Go, Ashley. To do that when so many are willing just to to get by, you know what I'm saying, with the Section 8s or renting until they feel they have enough credit or enough income to do it. Why wait when just the time is now? There's so many federal programs. There's so many houses that's on foreclosure. Now is the time to get it. Get it. Go get it. Because you're going to spend more money renting than you will ever be on it. I promise you that. Definitely. You're paying for well, the money. Well, I'm going to make you laugh. You rent. Uh-huh. You're talking about all the federal programs, and you're correct. There are so, so many. But credit is so bad. Right, right. Well, I know one federal program, I think you have to have like a 580 or a 560 or something like that. It's very, very low. But I've had some parents on my caseload that can't don't even have that. Right. You see what I'm saying? So it, right. it's kind of like a um a domino effect. You know what I mean? If you're not handling business from, from start one, from point one, it right. hurts you in the long run. By the time right. you figure it all out, you're like, man, I'm 45. I can still get a house, but, you know, 30 years past 45, it's like, wow. Right. You know, I got to work at McDonald's part-time just to pay for my medication if I do decide, you know, to retire. Right. I mean, it's crazy. And if they got the credit score, then they haven't been on the job for one year, so then they can't get the house. It's a bunch of little stipulations, but they, they lack in one or more areas. Right. I mean, the house is pretty much given to you. It's like we pay your closing costs. We, you know, help you with your earnest money. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, you got food stamps. You really don't have to do anything but put your foot in the house. Be on a job a year, have a 580. I mean, I just, I don't understand. Right, no doubt. What is number five? All right, number five, black pride. Mm. Hmm. I'm going to let you break that one down. Oh, I can break that down. I oh, bet you hey, can. That's, that's his own show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the fact that, I mean, look at us. I mean, we're basically, we backpedaled into buffoonery. I mean, sagging the pants, sagging. You spell mm. that backwards. What does that spell? N-I-G-G-A-S. Mm. I, I know the slow ones going to have a little time with this. Sagging. S-A-G-G-I-N. Reverse that. N-I-G-G-A-S. I mean, why are we even feeding to these, basically, we're going to say hip-hop norms, but hip-hop is owned, basically, we think it's our voice. But is it really our voice when the overseers of our music, of these labels, are not like us or look like us, understand our culture or our subculture? No. We are being 
basically, as a hip-hop movement, those of us who rap or those of us who make music are basically allowing ourselves to be the leaders of having our people back, backwater, backpedal, because we're mm. sagging our pants, we flossing fake diamonds and fake golds, or it might be real, it might be real canary yellow diamonds, I doubt it, but it might be. <laughs> and we talk about this and that, but what, what are we really talking about that's really founded and really really doing something for the community or doing something Definitely. for ourselves? Basically, Definitely. I was a hip-hop artist for about five years. That's how long it lasted, five years. Yeah, I can get back into it, I'm sure. But still, and yet, it wasn't something that was going to sustain me for the rest of my life. I went back to school and I got my education. Man, that's what I had to do in order to feed my kids who are going to be in my care for at least 18 years. And if they know what I know, as I already told them, you go to college, I'm going to tell you for another four. So it's, but, so yeah, so Black Pride, I mean, we walk around, look at the High Ghetto Mess website, when we see mm. guys looking all kind of terrible, and just feeding into the buffoonery. We can't be mad when other races point at us and say this or that. They don't, we, allow, we don't want it, we allow them to talk about it. Definitely. We feed into the stereotypes, and we make an even more drastic and more disgusting stereotypes as time goes on, for the most part. These youth can tell you every song on Z93, a radio station in Charleston, South Carolina, but can barely say they ABCs unless it's a same format and can't recognize the letters in half the cases. You're not lying. You're not lying. When I think about um, Black Pride, I want to touch on this issue as well. Um, I know that you know, many, many years ago, I don't care if the black man of the family had outside kids or or whatever. You know, he took care of home. He took care of the kids in the street. He took care of everything. And I think when I think about black pride, it's like what happened to black men being men? You know, there are a lot of males out here, but we're lacking men. What's happening that men don't care about their education, that men don't care about their families? They don't care about self. You know, there's there's something happening in our culture, in our everyday society, that we need to look at. We need to figure out what's what's going on, what's wrong, how do we fix it. Right. Um, past that, I was telling a friend the other day, um, and I was saying it jokingly, but it was something that was said to me about um, him dressing white, and it's so funny because his comment was because I don't have my pants falling off my behind, you know, basically. And it's so funny how, like, if you're not sagging, that you're dressed in white. You know, that's not right. the norm because your pants not baggy. Right. Because you don't have on gold. You know, <laughs> it's just well, crazy. Another, that makes another interesting point. Black men have never had more opportunity for success than today. Definitely. Definitely. And as, um, as we're watching the largest group of black males in history stumbling through life with a ball and chain. Mm. And then we added to that the ravage of AIDS, murder, poverty, illiteracy, and the widening gap separating the black elite from the underclass, and the result is paralyzing pesticism. We are falling into this a, a, a catalysm of despair based on many, many different attributes, but we're allowing ourselves to go there. And why? What is the driving cause? Are we, why are we killing ourselves? And I'm not saying killing ourselves is a bad, bad shoot. The murder rate has been pretty level for the last couple of years now. But I mean killing ourselves as far as not reaching for education. The opportunities okay. are there. Why, when I went to school for college in my masters, I barely saw anyone, any male that looked like me. I, I'm very disturbed by that. Why, do, why is the dropout rate from the last test that I got is 60% for African-American males in high school? Why? Definitely. Definitely. Why is it better? Why is it? Why those that try to educate themselves look down on by our own society, while those that sag their pants and cool it down and having fun and 
Shalakin or whatever are looked out as, you know, the way it's supposed to be, as the normal black. That's, I'm really disturbed by this process and this proceeding. And we have to educate our youth in such a way that they can see that the key uh-huh. to success is education. When I, I think I'm concerned with that. For a short time, I had a game plan. And if I didn't get to the um, kingpin level by a certain age, I opted out. And that's what I did. Mm. But it's a shame that I see peers that I went to school with still nickel and diamond on the corner, mm. still doing the same thing they was doing 10, 15, 20 years ago. Wow, that's crazy. That's real crazy. I think my concern when I listen to you talk about the black male, um, and when we talk about the black males not being men anymore, you know, who do our young boys look up to? Who do our young men look up to? You know, the ones that are 10 and 11, 12, who do they look up to? If they're going in the classrooms and not seeing many of them, what's that going to do, you know, to them? That's going to deter them from wanting their education. So, therefore, they turn to BET and whatever else, and not down on anybody, you know, or anything like that. I'm just saying that, we know, we definitely need more African-American males in our communities, in our schools, to to get out of our houses, to get out of the churches and go into the communities. You know, we talked about before not having any rec centers. Um, when I go downtown Charleston to see certain clients, you know, it's, it's crazy because it's like, wow. I mean, there's absolutely nothing for these children to do throughout the day, nothing. So what do they look at all day on TV? They look at BET. They look at different TV shows, you know, and, and people got money. You know, the right. dude with the money is the dude with the car, the dude with the girls with the long hair and the girl with the big booty and the girl with this and that. So they make a way to get it, you right. know. They don't, they don't think past. What they're seeing on TV is not being how life truly is for everybody. Right, you you right, understand what right. I'm saying? But we need more African-American males to get to get up and get out. It's just that simple. Get up and get out um, in your communities. I don't care if you just be a mentor for one, for one. And it doesn't have to be an African-American male because we got all type of males and females dropping out. But do some type of community service project, you know. And, and please, if you can, definitely reach somebody that's African-American because these little boys are just, it's crazy. Um, you talked about your master's program. I'm working on my master's, and I can count on one hand. I've seen two African-American male professors since I've started school, working from my associates up to my master's. Wow. I've only seen two. One taught African-American history, um, and the other taught, you know, another course. Um, it's called HIPSI, but it's about human behavior. But that, that was it. It's like... Really? And in the classroom, let's not even get started. There are no African-American males in my class. I have not seen any on a master's level in my class. That's an excellent None. point because, see, I, I did associates at Trident Tech. I did um, my bachelor's at um, Springfield College and then my master's at Webster's University. So, let's see, I had one African-American teacher at um, Trident. I had one African-American male, excuse me. I had one African-American teacher at um at Springfield, he was um, he had locks, so that was an interesting aspect. And I had one African American um, male teacher at Master, so I had one at each educational institute I attended in Charleston, South Carolina. I didn't have that experience. I um, went to Trident Tech. I had no African American male teachers. Mm-hmm. Springfield College, I had one, mm-hmm. and I've had one thus far in my master's program. Yeah. But again, even when I look all around rare. the classroom, and out of all there's those, no African American males at all. Right. People in Springfield, locally, I might have seen one or two African-American males, and that was on a bachelor's level. Right. So it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. But let's move, move on because we'll stay on this topic all day long. Yeah, don't say how we can care for real. Number six, how to be responsible <laughs> and keep your word. 
And that's mm. one thing. We, this takes us back to our um, episode we talked about in the Mr. Blaine game. I see very little responsibility in um, in the African-American community, especially a young African-American young males. I mean, you know, they always want to pawn off on point the finger. You know, they want to blame the system in regards mm-hmm. to not being able to rise up past the um, situation. They want to blame when they get fingered by the cops or whatever. They want to blame, you know what I'm saying, being set up. Whereas they take responsibility for that. But I think the biggest part of responsibility is them, those that have children, not taking care of their children. That, that is the biggest that's a responsibility because what there is is raising up a whole new generation of fatherless children who will run, basically go through the world not knowing their path or not knowing what direction they need to go in because a man failed to put his foot down and um, take his children into his arms and teach him the way of this world. It's a hard, hard world. It's hard with two parents. So it must be 50% hard, that much harder for just one a mother trying to raise her children in such a way. Definitely. And with that being said, I do want to commend all the fathers that are listening, that are active in the children's lives, that are taking time out. Because it's not so much about the finances. I mean, we need money to survive. That's a given. But when it comes to children, children want that quality time. You know, you read a book with them, being there to give them a hug, that phone call, how was your day at school, you know, what did you learn in church today? You know, what do you think? And that's what children want. You know, they, they like the money too, don't get me wrong, but what they're going to remember it's not that you gave them, you know, that child support check every month, but that you were there. You came to their game. You came to their recital. That's what they're going to remember, and that's what's important. Um, and I definitely want to say thank you to all the, the men that are stepping in place of the children's biological fathers that are, you know, spending time with those children because that's a big step, you know, and something that you don't have to do. And and moms as well, you know, if you're dating a guy or married to a man and, you know, you're being that mother figure, I commend you because it's not easy. Right. You know, so I definitely commend you. But, you know, men, again, they need to be more men. we got a lot of males running around thinking that they're men, and they're not. They're so not. Yeah, you're not a man because of how many seeds you lay and bring into this world. You're a man by taking those seeds and making them grow into trees and foundations of this earth to better mankind as a whole. I agree with that 100%. And not only that, you know, everything we talked about, you know, you're a man because you teach your children how to invest money. You teach your children manners, respect. Right. Teach them about being prideful in themselves regardless of, you know, what color they are. You teach them to strive for excellence. All all these things, spirituality, you know, how to deal with emotion. It's a lot being a good parent, whether it's male or female. And, you know, not just a bash on the dudes. We got some, some women that's not stepping their game up to par either. But, you know, I think a piece of mother is better than no mother at all. You understand what I'm right. saying? Right. Or better than no father at all. So, right. And it's hard. I'm a single mother, and I can tell everybody, listen, it's not easy. And, you know, Blue, you've met my children. When I say I try, oh, my God, you know, I think my kids are, like, excellent. I have to toot my own horn because they're all right. You know, I just thank God for And I agree. I, I take the kids, and, yeah, they, I, I'm really blown away by the remarkable job that you've done. But, yeah, that's the process. You and I definitely thank God. That's all I can say on that note. So we're going to move right along, and I think the next one is number seven, um, to strive for excellence in everything. That is so, so, so important, and it's funny because um, I always tell my children, I don't care what you're doing, do it your best. I don't care if you sleep on the floor. Make sure you flip that floor to the best of your ability. I don't care if you're trying to cook something or you're trying to study for a test, don't bring an F home talking about you looked at the material for five minutes. No. You know, again, in everything that you do, if you're going to do it, put in 100%. And if you can't put in 100%, leave it alone. Right. 
And that's why I stand with that. I mean, and, and for self as well, for any and everything, even with our clients. And, um, you know, Blue, you and I, I mean, you get tired. You get tired of giving 100 because you might get back 2% from some of these parents. And you're lucky to get back a consistent 5% from the children, you know, that you work with. So it's hard to keep giving and giving when you don't see a um, good return. True. So I think we're going to move on to number eight. Yeah, number eight. Um, spirituality, not necessarily religion, but spirituality. Getting back to the basics, I mean, even I'm guilty of this. We rarely go to church. And, but we do have a strong spirituality. Um, we believe in God and we fear God. I just think that life has compl- got complicated in such a way that we kind of basically um, – Backed away from church in many regards. I mean, when I was a kid, we were forced to go to church every Sunday and Wednesday. Sunday for regular church services and Wednesday for Bible service. I think that, well, that's a personal story. I won't even go into all that. But, yeah, we definitely need to get back to the spirituality core of getting in touch with our spirituality. It almost seems like easy is our religion now. I can understand that. Um, When you talk about spirituality, I think it's important us to um, rear our children knowing that there's a higher power other than self. And um, so many children run around thinking they're invincible. You know, I make this happen for me. I do this. I do that. I, I, I. You know, giving thanks to no one but themselves. And we have to understand there's a higher power. Um, And again, we're not talking about religion. Let's make that clear. But even if you don't go to church, I think it's so important to instill in your children to take time out to read the Bible, the Quran, whatever you might be reading, you know, um, and just give thanks to, to whoever you give thanks to. But we don't even do that. I don't see families praying together anymore, and it's it's, it's crazy. Um, story, I went to my children's school probably about, I don't even know, probably it was about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And there was an um, African-American male in the lunchroom. He's a coach at the school. And he walked up to me, and he's like, are those your children? And immediately I'm like, oh, I'm about to have to jack somebody up early this morning in the cafeteria. I'm like, yes, sir. He's like, those two kids pray every morning before they eat their breakfast. Before they touch their food, they pray every morning. And I just wanted to cry because I was like, you know what, guy, I just thank you because, you know, you try to instill things in your children at home, and you know what they do in your face. But I did not think them babies was at school trying to pray before they eat their lunch and their breakfast, you know. So that touched me, and I think that's important that I instilled that in them, you know, that you need to give thanks to God for everything, food, clothing, a safe ride to school, just being able to wake up with your fingers and toes intact, you know. Right. And having a bed to sleep in, it's the simple things in life that we need to count as blessings and not so much counting what we don't have. Right. But um, that touched me because, you know, for him to be a coach at that school, for 10, 15 years, and he telling me these are the only two children that he's seen do this in that amount of time? It was like, wow, really? So let's move along. Um, the next one is respect of your body. Um, when we say respect, we mean health-wise as well as sexually, and we talked about the sexual aspect on previous shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and health-wise, men, don't get a check up. Just go get a checkup. I mean, seriously, it's so important to um to get checkups. You know. Right. Um, Blue, hold on one second. We have a caller. All right. 
Oh, you know what? They put their hand down. Carla, are you there? Yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Hi. I, I just wanted to comment, um, just taking it back a couple spots, about the black five and striving for excellence and the spirituality and all. Um, I think it's just a matter of, you know, you train up a child in the way that you would have them go. That's educating them from birth. I mean, what you do from the beginning is what you're going to end up with in the end. And, uh, you know, as far as spirituality or religion, there's nothing wrong with either one of them, but the only thing is don't get hung up on religiosity. I mean, if you're sincere and you're teaching them, you know, that what goes around come around, I mean, that's the way that we say it biblically. It is do unto others as you will have them do unto you. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. rule to by. That's the golden rule, and I think people should get back to it. I agree. I agree 100%. I think um, with that golden rule, that would stop a lot of things, you know. You don't want nobody to lie to you, don't lie to nobody. Right. Want nobody to come up to you and kill your child, don't kill nobody else's child. You know, so... I agree with the call 100%. That could cause a whole lot of drama and issues, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I also want to mention as far as with the edu- you know, things that you know. health and sex, I mean, like, again, you know, checkups. And not only that, I mean, I see numerous children under the age, the legal age of tattoos in South Carolina and North Carolina with tattoos and piercings. I'm like, well, I'm looking at the parent, you know, cross-eyed in one aspect. It's like, how do you allow your 14-, 13-year-old child to get a tattoo? And then we know it would, we know they're not getting them from legitimate sources. So then there's, always, there's also the scale of getting um, the HIV virus or hepatitis or any of those things because you know, of the use of dirty needles. Then they have more awareness. And then, like, um, there's been many cases that I've been, that I came into in regards to um, people being positive with HIV but still having sex rampantly. Uh, and possibly affecting, um, you know, their um, partners. I mean, I, I'm not. The HIPAA violation prevents me from revealing the information. But, yeah, they still, they saying, oh, I'm not going to tell them. Look at that. They treat me like a pariah or something, something that. And I'm thinking, like, well, dang, I, I, I don't know if they're not having protective sex. But then I am also have to not say they may be. I mean, so, I mean, when do we step in and say, hey, you know what I'm saying, this is a, a court case or whatever. But, you know, knowing your status and protecting yourself, and, you know, this is just so many regards to health. We can, let's just earmark that for another issue, another episode. Yeah, definitely, because that health thing could, um, sounds like we've all had a case. I had a case very similar, and I knew the individual was um, spreading it around, but there was nothing I could say due to HIPAA. I mean, absolutely nothing. I mean. <laughs> right. And that's, that's crazy, but that's definitely a, um, a whole other topic. Right. Look at number 10. To give to others that are less fortunate. Oh. Now, I give this lesson to my kids. <laughs> I, I don't think it's given across the board because, I guess, in many ways, we look at ourselves as the unfortunate. Give to me, give, give me, 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 me. But we need to get out that mindset because there's always going to be those that's going to be even less fortunate than us. Definitely. We need to teach our, our kids, our children, humility as well as the, the mind state that, you know what I'm saying, when we give to others, when we're, we're, we're doing God's will, we're doing God's favor, and that, that love, that, that energy is going to come back to you. I, I find myself always going out of my way to help others, and I just think the energy that comes back to me just makes me feel better as a person. 
it's like a glow inside myself. And when I um, when I see my son doing the same and my um, set, my eight year old, I see the same thing in them. It's like an inner glow, an inner happiness to be able to benefit and help someone else. It's a beautiful thing. I agree. I agree. I, I used to work at a homeless shelter in Somerville, and um, I would always take my children there. And it's funny because um, from working there, I got more in tune with what was going on in the community. Mm-hmm. And what we would do often is like go every once a week maybe make a big thing of chicken or some spaghetti and donate it. Right. But even after I stop working there, we don't do it every week. It's like once a month now. Right. But we'll call and see if there are children there. We'll take art supplies. We take different things. So the children have things to do. Um, right. And what my daughter did last summer, we didn't do it this summer, but last summer is we tried to do some reading out there, even to the adults, because there's so many adults that cannot read. I mean, it's, right. it's crazy. But, um, again, you know, we talked about earlier about people getting in the community doing things, and that's so important, you know, checking on our elderly, going to some of the homeless shelters. If it's nothing but teaching them how to do a resume or finding out what size clothing they wear, maybe it's something you've got in your closet you can give to them to wear to an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're a beautician, go out and donate some services. It's, you know, for one or two people a month, it's not going to hurt, you know. Right. Nobody's saying you got to give them the best hairdo, but... You know, sometimes we only we feel when we feel good on the outside, we do better on the, on the um when we feel good on the inside, we do better on the outside. Right, right. So again, it's about community service for me, and not in the aspect of you know picking up trash because we in trouble, but you know serving <laughs> our community. Right. That's important. That's very important. You know, we can always ride downtown Charleston to find somebody that's hungry. Right. So again, you know, I know a, a friend that we share, Mr. Holiday Adams, on his birthday, he goes out and he assists the homeless in some very major ways, and I think that that's yes. an honorable trait. That that's a trait that I want to instill in myself and instill in my son. So definitely, I think it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Like I don't know if I'm gonna do it on my birthday, but I'll do it. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna let him keep doing it on his birthday every year. Right, right, right. But, but um, he's doing it. When the last, I can't remember the last time. I mean, I might have put two or three, four, five dollars in their hand. And honestly, yeah, yeah. when they approach me, I feel a certain kind of way. I like, you know, really? I mean, I got, I'm, I'm finding it hard to find work too, brother. Sometimes I feel like that, and I, and I have to check myself. That you know, yeah, yeah. He's not responsible. He may, may not be responsible for his predicament. There's been times I've been out of work. You know what I'm saying? That I, that I struggled. I mean, God's will, God's favor. You know what I'm saying? I, those times not last. If anything, they just humbled me to make me a better person. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's why I don't, I don't judge. I mean, they might take my five dollars and get a, a, a quick fix. That's them. The five dollars. Exactly. I'm not gonna win. It's not gonna make or break me. I don't smoke cigarettes, so it's not gonna break me. Um, if that's what he needs to do with it, that's his will. The, the good will that I give with a good heart versus a heart that's saying that's that's resistance to giving it is the most beautiful thing that I can do, just to give it. And whatever happens after that is whatever happens. Now, oftentimes, I do find myself buying the food and giving it to him. But you know, like I said, if it's the money, and if I'm in a situation in which I get the money, then I get the money. But I'd rather give you the food. Or if you say you're willing to work for um work for money or whatever or work for food, but shoot, I got a whole lot of paint that needs to be done. I got a whole lot of yard that needs to be fixing, but I think that's another story. You trying to put folks to work. Look <laughs> <laughs> No, but I definitely agree. I think it's important to give and you know it's not gonna hurt any of our budgets to, to give a dollar here or a couple dollars there. I mean we can right. We can go home and eat a sandwich instead of having to go out to eat because I know I eat out a lot, way more than I than I need to, have to. Yeah. Yeah. I eat out a lot. It's not even right. But um, 
this whole show, again, is about educating our youth in so many different directions. Definitely, definitely. And um, that's what I'm about to do right now. We're going to play Don't Be a Dropout by Mr. James Brown. Let's celebrate a little bit. Now, a good friend of mine sat with me and he cried. He told me a story. I know he had lied. He said he went for a job and this a man said, Without an education, you might as well be dead. Now, don't get me wrong. He said it's not who you are. But people come to me from a near and a far. But I do just work and I follow the had an education, so I had to go back to school. Tell me one more time, people now. Without an education, you might as well. Without an education, you might as well be dead. That's a hundred right there. That's real talk. Wow. I mean, you can't really get nothing without it. I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a few cases in which you can slide by, make things happen without it. But honestly, but for how long? Got, exactly, for how long? Yeah, exactly. For how long? We are definitely a degree world right now, and it's it's going to be more intense. You know, I mean, right now, to be honest, a bachelor's is nothing. No. I mean, really. It's not, so... I mean, I was doing as good with my bachelor's as I was with my GED, really, so... I mean, yeah. seriously, <laughs> you know? I'm thinking by the time my kids graduate high school, you're going to need a, a um, an associate to work at Mickey D's. I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> seriously, it's getting crazy. It's getting yeah. crazy. I'm going to need him a master's in order to be the manager. <laughs> <laughs> Blue said that, not me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard, hard world. It is. But let's talk about the shortfalls of parents um, with this educational process. All right. Um, You know, parents, we have to do more besides putting our kids, waking them up in the mornings and shuffling them out the door to catch the bus. It's it's so much more to that. You know, we need to take time to sit down and review the homework, see how long it's taken our children to complete the homework. Um, You know, now it's so accessible for us as parents. Everything is via Internet. Um, you can email, you can look at your children's school calendar for pretty much the week to a month as far as um, homework assignments and what the children are working on in school. Um, you know, we just have to be more involved. I monitor how long it takes my children to do their math homework, you know, 
if we sit here for two hours, I just think it's a problem. You know, but if I get off work and go tell at my girlfriend's house, I'm not going to have no clue how long it's taking my son and my daughter to get their homework finished. Right. You know, so it's, we have to do so much more as parents. Um, and I think the biggest key is communicating with those teachers because the more we communicate with the teachers, the more the teachers will feel they'll be, they're being held accountable. Right. And they'll communicate with us as well. Um, I was taught at a military academy. And I'll be honest, you know, I taught all my children the same material. However, there were certain children I definitely paid more attention to because I knew their parents were checking up on me. Right. You know, and it's not that I didn't care about the other children. It's just that I knew when this parent comes in on Friday, I got to have something to tell this parent. Right. Now, the other parents, I only had to worry about them at report card time. How they didn't know their child was failing all year long, I, I don't understand it. I mean, if he bring it home F, you know, all semester, he probably might have an F on his report card, too. Right. But, um. It's just we have to do more as parents. I believe that school is where we get the um, so much. We get the toolbox from school, you know, so everything we need to get it done is in this toolbox. But sometimes when our children get home, we have to assist them on which tools to use and how do we implement which tools, so on and so forth. And we don't do that. You know, I would ask my children, well, didn't your mom help you last night? Because to me it was normal to help your children with homework. Help me with homework? No. You know, she didn't even know I had to do this. I'd be like, well, your book is fine. Well, she just tell me to bring to her when it's done. Yes, I have signatures from parents saying the child work has been assigned in homework. I mean, it's it's crazy. We have to do so much more as parents. We really do. Um, You want to comment on that, Blue? Um, Yeah, I mean, and maybe I understand that, you know, we're, we're definitely a more working, dedicated society. And we, we just, mm-hmm. I guess as many times, you know, it's just, it's, it's bothersome. But, you know, if we don't invest in our children now, then, then they're, they're going to basically be, that investment that we fail to put into them is going to be dropped on our laps or society's laps at a later time. There's no reason why, like you said, no reason why a, a, a child should fail at this point in their lives. And there's no reason why that you know, a parent is not aware of what's going on with these children not actively involved in their children's, you know, rearing. And I think it's just really bad in many ways. But more often than not, that's the case. Go to a PTA meeting. I've been to a couple myself in which I might have seen one, oh, shoot, I don't even know the fraction amount. I, I guess I need to go back to school. Um, there's you know, <laughs> a very small population of the parents are present at PTA meetings. Even yeah. the initial one. I can see it, it falling off later, later on. But initially, the first one, really? I mean... That's well, I'm that bad parent. I don't do PTA meetings. Well, I don't. <laughs> I'm not even saying that's a bad parent. You're, you're active in, I mean, you may be active in other ways, and I don't mind that. I definitely am. Yeah, so, you know, it's whatever it is. Yeah, but you're not going to see me at that PTA meeting at 7 o'clock. I won't be there. Look, <laughs> well, I'll tell you take it to the first one. I just think the first one is to establish who the teachers are, let them see my face. And know that, you know, I am likely to come and stop in and see what's going on with my baby. See, I do that parent-teacher meeting when I go meet the teacher. Mm-hmm. They know me because I come with a, a note. Times, I'll be like, this, are, this is all my contact stuff. Work, right, home, schools come, I'm telling you I'll come by that first meeting with open house PTA. So that's what I'm looking at it from that perspective. Got you. Got you. But I think another thing, um, too, you know, we talk about parent involvement, but I think sometimes, because parents have low expectations for themselves, they have even lower expectations for their children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a parent, for instance, honestly, I think I'm as knowledgeable as I am about my child in school because 
I taught because, you know, I'm going through school, working on my master's, so on and so forth. So it's been like incidents in my life that have made me more aware. I can't say that without me being an educator that I would have been just as aware um, educationally for my children than I currently am. I don't know that. And honestly, I, I want to say I doubt it, to be honest. I mean, I know my children would never, would, wouldn't fail. I would be there, but I don't know if I would be there as much as I am now, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense to you. Um, but because I know how it is and how it can be, those teachers have a lot on them. You got the class clown. You got, you know, this child not doing their homework. This child, you know, got behavior issues. That's about half of the class right there with the behavior issues. So it's, it's, it's complicated. It's, it's not it's not easy for, for educators, but... You know, as parents, again, we have to really step in and make it happen. You know, I've had it where I had my child taken out of the classroom to do his testing because the class was too loud, you know. But you're not going to know that if you're not an active parent, you know. And not that I was able to go sit in the class, but I'd be like, well, why you can't concentrate on your test? What's going on? I talked to him. Well, mommy is just loud and I can't focus. Okay, well, let me fix that. I can shoot an email to her about that, meet with the guidance counselor, the principal, and, and make it happen. So we just got to do more. Um, yeah, I think parents put a lot on the teachers. They expect their teachers to do some of everything. Uh, and I can't even see why they can put expectations of child rearing and teaching your children discipline. That should have been taught at home from you know, up until they start school. I, I should never have to expect a teacher to teach my children core values and expectations for behavior definitely. in regards to um, navigating in a school system or, in, or at home. But I do see a lot of that back on the parents, on the teachers, in regards, they're not paid to do that. They're barely paid to do what they're supposed to do, which is educate. Right. I mean, they're, they're, um, I was I, I a strong advocate for teachers getting better um, incomes because they have a lot on their plate. They're basically educating the next generation, which will basically control many factors of this world. But, yeah, they're not paid adequately, and I think that we put way too much, as parents as a whole, put way too much on them for someone who's only get, not even getting paid adequately to do what their core job is. Definitely, definitely. And it doesn't make it any easier when we don't, you know, rear our children to be respectful and, you know, go to school and do what you're supposed to do. Sit there and learn and raise your hand if you have questions. You know, it's right. not that hard. It's really not. But um, let's move on. I think it's important. Um, there was a case, and I do not remember the young lady's name, and this happened, I think, last year or either earlier this year. She took her life. Um due to bullying, and um, I think she was, what, 15, 16? Are you familiar with that case, Lou? Uh, you know, I don't really watch the news. My therapist has recommended that. I don't really um, look at social media, uh, media that format, not as fine. But, um, yeah, I remember that case. I mean, I was looking for a couple yes or no. Well, I'm trying to think, is that the case? There's a number of cases that happened this past year. Is that the case in which the parent was actually the one bullying? I don't think the parent was bullying. The parent knew about it. Okay, because the one I remember, the one that's really coming to my mind is that internet bullying and the turn to be the mom. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but not that one. This was happening at school as well as um, via cell phone. It was just real crazy. So the okay. young lady ended up, I think, hanging herself. Right. But um, more importantly, what what is so important to teach our children about bullying and how to handle it, you know, and all of this this crazy rule about snitching. I'm going to tell you, I'm an adult, and if you bothering me, I'm going to cover me. I'm going to cover myself. I'm going to make it known just in case, you know, something does go down for my own protection. Um, 
you know, and it's important to talk to our children about, you know, things that bullies do, like shoving and, you know, with all the technology, sending different text messages that are degrading or make you feel, you know, like you can't hold your head up. Um, bullying is, is like becoming the new norm. It's like, it's crazy. Like, I remember being bullied in school. I remember bullying people in school. Mm-hmm. But, like, now it's just like the norm. Like, oh, my gosh. It seems like every child that I have a session with at some point has been bullied for quite a long time. And I don't that's understand why, this new norm. I don't understand Yeah, it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, that, that's, that's why I mean, you need to educate our children. That's just how it's supposed to behave. But oftentimes you see bullying really a self-esteem issue from what we're doing. Definitely. That yeah. person more, normally has a bigger issue than um, the person right. that's being bullied. Right, exactly. exactly. But I just think it's important that parents don't tell their children, well, you know, you need to man up or you a snitch or you this or you that. It's not about being a snitch. You know, you got to keep yourself safe. And who wants to go to school? Who can go to school and focus and bring home A's and B's when you're being bullied every day? Right. You know, what you put on is not good enough, the way you stand, your friends. I mean, it's just it's a constant issue. So, you know, definitely go online, research bullying with your children or your child, and let them know, you know, you have rights, too. You should be able to go to school and be comfortable without being teased because you're too skinny or whatever the case may be, too dark, too light, you're here too short, too nappy, whatever it is. And that's very important that we talk about that. But um, the next thing I wanted to talk about as well was peer pressure real quick. You know, peers influence our lives, even though we don't realize that even as adults, our peers influence us to an extent. Um just by spending time with our peers, you know, and it's so important that we teach our children to make your own decisions, mm-hmm. you know. Don't let peer pressure get you in trouble. If it's peer pressure for you to study, please go grab that book, you know. But if it's peer pressure to do something that you know is, you know, immoral, illegal, or sinful, please don't do it. You know, talk to your children about that because we always say, well, he knows right from wrong. Yeah, he does or she does, but, you know, we have to constantly educate and re-educate our children. So, again, well, peer pressure is, is, is definitely, definitely. Peer pressure is so, so hard to deal with, especially in today's society where you got this old cell phone or you have no cell phone. You know, it's, it's a bunch of stuff. It's a bunch of stuff. But um, we wind and down. I think we've got about maybe uh, close to 10 minutes left. The last topic we wanted to talk about was sex education. Sex in schools right now is off. A rocker. I mean, really. I mean, it's sex, 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 sex. And I'm really scared to say that it's more of the females that are sexually inclined right now than the males are. Um, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I don't even know where to start with this, Blue. I mean, sex education, I almost feel like we need to start taking it in third grade. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm so serious. By the time they get to fifth grade or sixth grade, it's it's done. They already know so much. Some of it is true. Some of it's not. But parents, we have to educate our children. It's so important. And not just about the act of sex or the act of intimacy, but about sexual development and reproduction, about contraceptions and birth control, about relationships. You know, these these poor children, they just clueless. I mean, when I sit down with some of my clients, it's like, wow, seriously? You thought if he, you know, came inside you, you could just stand on your head or shake it out and you would not be pregnant? I mean, where did you get that from at 16? You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, 
one of my um, friends, she works at an elementary school as an academic interventionist, and she was telling me in regards to some issues in which the, I think it was either fourth or fifth graders was already um, um, participating in oral sex. Wow, I'm so not surprised, though. I'm not. It's the norm. It's, it's really the norm. And, you know, before we would think that a lot of it came from sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. It's not even that. It's just that today's society is so sexualized. I mean, almost every song, if you turn on the R&B station, almost every song is about sex. You know, the neighbors on my name. I mean, I want to touch your body. It's like not about intimacy anymore. Everything is about sex, Right. you know. So, I mean, you you almost cannot avoid it, which is fine. That's neither here nor there. Again, the responsibility falls in our laps as parents and providing our children with what they need to know, you know. But, again, this whole segment is about educating. Please, 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 please educate our youth. And um, on that, I'm going to play All Falls Down. Oh, man. <laughs> Don't put on that outcast. You crazy. Yeah. Yeah. She has no idea what she's doing in college That major that she majored in don't make no money But she won't drop out her parents to look at her funny Now, tell me that ain't insecure The concept of school seems so secure Sophomore three years ain't picked a career She like, get I'll just stay down her and do it Cause that's enough money to buy her a few pairs of new ears Cause her baby daddy don't really care She's so precious with the peer pressure Couldn't afford a cop so she made her daughter a lady Yeah so long that it looked like weave Then she cut it all off, now she look like Eve And she be dealing with some issues that you can't believe Single black female addicted to retail as well uh. And when it falls down, who you gonna call now? Come on, come on And when it all falls down, man, I promise uh. And when it falls down, who you gonna call now? Come on, come on And when it all falls self-conscious that's why you always see me with at least one of my about to end and we want to thank everybody for listening today and join us next week same time same place same day Lou, anything you want to say in closing i'd like to say that um We live in a hard, some very difficult times in regards to um, navigating this world. This may, in fact, be the end times. I think that this is the time for us to bind together, pull together, and do what we need to do in order to bring up the next generation, which, in fact, may be the last generation. We're actually preparing them for um, giving them anything they need as tools as a whole. Now, I'm not even pointing nobody out in any particular race. That is, see that this generation a lot worse off than any previous generation. Yeah, they can navigate the Internet and the Google, and they can do all kinds of things with these phones and stuff, but the core values of education seem to be missing or basically um, skewed. I agree 100%. And, again, you know, as parents, we can just do our best, whatever that may be, 
But um, most definitely, just do your best. You know, don't be afraid to reach out and, and, and seek help. But on that note, we're going to go ahead and um, end our show without cast to tease somebody. See you next week.
This policy is valid from January 4th, 2019. This podcast is a personal podcast written and edited by F. Christopher Blue and his conglomerates at morethantherapy.org. For questions about this podcast, please contact staff at morethantherapy.org. The podcast accepts form of cash advertising, sponsorship, paid insertions, or other forms of compensation. The compensation received may influence the advertising content, topics, or posts made in this podcast. That content, advertising space, or posts may not always be identified as paid or sponsored content. The owners of this podcast is compensated to provide opinion on products, services, websites, and various other topics. Even though the owners of this podcast receives compensation for our posts or advertisements, we always give our honest opinions, findings, beliefs, or experiences on those topics or products. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are purely the podcast's own. Any product claim, statistic quote, or other representation about a product or service should be verified with the manufacturer, provider, or party in question. This podcast does not contain any content which might present a conflict of interest.